Hello and welcome back to episode 13 of Get the PHT with me, Sammy. Me, Hannah. And me, Tom. And this week we're going to be focusing on an episode that we've already covered, actually, but uh, number two of it. We're going to be focusing on university well-being uh, mm-hmm. off the back of uh, the pandemic and kind of the effect that that's had. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hannah had kind of a main reason of why we wanted to cover university well-being again. She uh, had a little listen back to the first episode. Yeah. Had some reflections. Mm-hmm. After listening back to the first episode, I just think my mentality has completely changed, uh, mostly down to the different uh, environment the pandemic has brought. Uh, but also, I think we're at different kind of points in our PhD now that there's maybe kind of some new uh, challenges that we faced and different strategies that we've used to kind of cope with our well-being. So I thought, yeah, it'd be quite interesting to revisit and hopefully help some of you guys out if you're listening whilst doing a PhD in a pandemic, because that's a whole level of crazy. <laughs> we'll also be um, touching on a new initiative that uh, Cardiff Met is running uh, mm-hmm. to help PhD students and postgraduate researchers with uh, their well-being. Uh, also with a study that Hannah's found about how apparently PhD students are uh, have severely lower well-being than other people which is yeah than undergraduate students and masters which I thought was really interesting uh, but I don't know if you guys want to start off with a breathing exercise you know this being well-being and breathing being center to you know we calming can, yourself you want to try yeah we can give it a go we'll get you guys on board everyone listening can try as well so if we breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth (laughs) tom is absolutely pissing himself laughing at this point you're not on board with the breathing tom Uh, oh this is brilliant i I can't do stuff (laughs) like this i lose my head i think this is quite interesting because it comes into play like all our different mentalities on well-being and yeah i think we'll see more of this different opinion as we get into it yeah i'll try not to highlight it but i think a bit differently than you two about this i think <laughs> so before we before we get into the main bulk of the the episode and the topic uh, how has your week been guys my to well-being us. has been on point is it on point <laughs> I, I don't know don't know what it means but no it's been nice being back in my center that's lifted me a bit, I think. Needed to get a bit of normality back in. Mm-hmm. Bit of a yeah, routine. It's good. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I went. I went back in. I went back into the office for the first time since. Uh, I think it was the twelfth of March. The wow. 12th of March. Yeah. So that's quite mm-hmm. odd. It's so strange going back in, isn't it? Like a ghost town. I kind of sat down and was just a bit like every everything's as I remember it, but it just doesn't feel right yeah i couldn't remember where things would be and like i was looking <laughs> at my desk for stuff and yeah and also i noticed that all the post-it notes and paper on my desk is really faded from all the light oh. and stuff on it over the summer and just everything's like all the inks just kind of like i don't know almost like yellowed and it's quite, it, no, quite depressing like ghost town isn't it it's super weird yeah very odd but other than that i've had a very quiet week Yeah, I feel like I've had a bit of a quiet week as well. I had a kind of crazy end of October and beginning of November, and it's all kind of eased off a bit now. So I'm enjoying a quiet week. I know, I know, I'm enjoying the peace. 
Do you feel like things have wound down a little bit after your Renthor transfer? Like it's a bit of, that was like a big peak and now it's kind of like, okay, we can chill a little bit. And Yeah, I think there was kind of a few days between a few big things. So there was kind of the Enfield transfer. I had the big kind of full team meeting and then I needed to get my ethics application in by a deadline, which was a few days later. So it was kind of like uh, one thing after another. And now I've kind of got a space. I've at least got a free week. <laughs> so yeah, it's nice to kind of have a bit more lenience a bit more relaxed uh i don't know how long it'll last for but <laughs> we'll see hopefully you won't be too stressed and hopefully this episode might help you yes put things exactly. into perspective and actually try and remain calm exactly important to point out mind hannah's quiet because you have to give in everyone else her work it's you know what do you mean just shoveling off work to people <laughs> what do you mean there tom gave work to everyone else yeah he means Can that he looks. Can you have a look at this one? Right, I'm this is sure part of my busy. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Tom had to look at one or two documents for me just to proofread and check it was okay. But this was last week. Ooh. Ah, was ah, it? So, yeah. Okay, my mind's not all there. That's how little Tom's done. <laughs> yeah, Tom's like even it was yesterday. Week it is. <laughs> It's just no days anymore. It's just worth it or not worth it. Yeah. Tom, you're going to benefit from this episode more than you realise. I don't know. Well-being's a myth. Right. Right. We need to change this mentality. Strap yourself in, Tom. Right. This is let's, let's get in. Here's the jingle. Okay, so we just wanted to kind of reflect back on well-being episode one. Um, I thought it was really interesting how much my mentality had changed. Uh, so I wonder what you guys kind of think uh, of what you kind of said back then and if that's changed now. So um, I kind of, if I think about my mentality back there, I thought I was quite on top of my well-being and kind of my working habits were good. But then I listened to that episode and I was talking about how stressed I was, how I was working on weekends and feeling really guilty if I had kind of free time, like that I wasn't working within. Um, so yeah, now I really only work on weekends if it's absolutely essential and I don't feel guilty about time off whatsoever like I can go for a walk in the middle of the day and I won't feel guilty which is something previously I would have never dreamed of doing and I kind of think that's down to two different things obviously the COVID kind of situation working from home it's kind of much more important to give yourself a break and you kind of have more time in the sense of you're not commuting um, all of that kind of stuff but also I think it's kind of the transition from undergraduate uh, working schedule so obviously when we recorded that episode we were probably about six well me and Tom anyway were about six months into our PhD whereas I feel like we were just kind of well I was just coming out of my undergrad habit which was you know working whatever kind of hours just whatever working up to the deadline really it wasn't <laughs> we're not always up to the deadline but you know what I mean my, like working, my undergraduate like, was never touch anything on a weekend Oh, no, but I would I would work in the week, like my part-time job. So then I would like work on the weekends. Oh, it would yeah. just be wherever I could kind of fit it in. So I think kind of coming into PhD, I was kind of panicked, like, oh, any free time needs to be doing work as I was previously. But I think, you know, as we've kind of got into this, further into this PhD, I'm definitely a lot more kind of chill 
and I now no longer work on weekends and I really enjoy it. So good, isn't it? Yeah, I would well, nice. you Sammy, in the episode previously, you were very much of the kind of thing, you know, I'm not spilling over and there's I'm on no board point. with it. Yeah. yeah, there's just no I don't understand why you would. If you had something that's essential, yeah, I understand. Occasionally I will, but if I can, it's just that's almost how I plan my week is Monday to Friday, like anybody, obviously the working week, but I will always make sure that I have time on the weekend just to sit down, do nothing, watch football. And that's basically it. Like, just yeah. put everything aside. I fe- felt like kind of so much better knowing that I have that time is 100% off, you know? Like, I feel a lot more motivated to work, which is crazy saying because you, you know, you would think that I was getting more done previously, but that is really not the case. So yeah, I just thought it was really interesting that in that short space of time, my mentality and kind of how I handle my well-being had changed so much. Um, yeah, I don't know about you, Tom. I think you were quite similar to me in the previous episode. Yeah, I think I've got worse. No, no. I mean, we were saying before how we um feel like our free time on the weekend had to be spent doing work and things. Mm-hmm. But now I'm home constantly and my desk is in my room. I feel like any free time I get has to be spent working. Like whether mm-hmm. it's a weekday or weekend. See, that's the complete opposite for me. I need, because I've always associated being at home with relaxing and being in the office with working. It's been really difficult to take, like bring work into the into my flat, if that makes sense. And be, because yeah. cause you say, oh, my desk is just there. Mine is always, my bed's just there. It's the complete opposite of, I'm doing some work and oh, I can just go chill out and do nothing if I want. Like the options that, there. That is a great example of the two ways it can go, you know. <laughs> It took so long to try and drill into my head that I need to work from home now. Like get into the routine, set up my desk so it looks like I'm working sort of thing. Like all these different post-it notes and everything around. I just think I pushed it too far. Mm. It made it look too much like work. It made it feel too much like work. Mm. Strip so it back a little bit. Room now, yeah, whenever I'm in, my, I'm in my room now, I'll think, ah, oh, I need to get some work done. Yeah, I get... Reading, writing, whatever. There's got to be a psychology behind that, you know, mixing kind of that work-life thing and then just associating it as the same thing. Maybe you need like a curtain or some kind of divider you can put up so you can't see. (laughs) I was going to say, I think that's actually something that people may be a bit further on in their career in academia and maybe even people are doing a PhD and have like a house and things like that. Whereas each of us in our situation my flat is like so small that my my desk that I'm working on is in the same room as my bed and things like that like there's no different zones if that makes sense if I had a room Mm -hmm. I could just put all my work stuff in and whenever I go in there I'm working it would be fine because like like you say the psychology of it going into that room would be okay I'm working now whereas like Tom says if he's in his room relaxing but then he's got all his work stuff five yards from him it's like well it's all there it's kind of you don't get away from it yeah. It's just that constant reminder that you got so much work to do. Yeah. Like I could finish my work for the day, go downstairs for food, come back up and tend to watch TV or something, and just see the pile of work I've left myself for tomorrow. So I think, oh, okay, an hour or so by an hour, get this power down a little bit. Then you just get stuck into it again and mm. it's just more hours and more stress. Without getting you yourself, yourself without giving day. yourself too much work to do, it might even help you if you like pack things away or put stuff away and things like that rather than having everything out uh, all the time. <laughs> I thought of this this is the new problem then it's the next day getting the motivation to unpack get it all, it all out <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
we as humans are kind of our own enemies in all aspects. <laughs> okay, so I was doing a little bit of kind of background research into well-being among PhD students, and I came across this study which basically says that PhD students have much worse general mental well-being than undergraduate and master students and I know this was something that uh, research and innovation services were emphasizing in their uh, presentation that for some reason PhD students are kind of much worse off um, so I guess kind of ask you guys you know why do you think that is in comparison to your experience as an undergrad and a master's student and then now as a PhD student what do you find different in terms of well-being uh, yeah, I guess any kind of thoughts and strategies that you might have had that differ between them kind of uh, student titles. The main thing I can think of is just loneliness <clears throat> and almost like I, w I wouldn't say like camaraderie, but like mm -hmm. with in, in, an, in an undergrad degree, you, you have literally like almost like a cohort and people in the same year, people in the same literally the same course as you where yeah. you'll be in like, with mine it was quite a nice tight-knit group of about 15 people <clears throat> who were doing education and drama mm -hmm. and you would you would be in all the same sessions with them and you'd be grouped with occasionally in seminars with like english and drama uh, music mm -hmm. and drama like quite similar-minded creative subjects i suppose and then you go from that into a phd where I mean, we've we've said it before. No piece of research and PhD is the same, mm -hmm. and you almost go from you if you if you're doing an essay, there's 20 other people doing it. You're doing yeah. your PhD. Everyone's doing a PhD, but nobody's doing your PhD, and you kind mm -hmm. of you almost feel like you can't ask people because they shouldn't really. Really, you're supposed to be like the expert in your particular field mm -hmm. and things like that. And it's just yeah, I think it's just loneliness and just feeling like you're almost it's you doing it like it's your own battle rather than being able to kind of have a little bit of a support group mm -hmm. I think you kind of go through the highs and lows together when you're part of a course so like you know you've got the same deadlines the same kind of periods of stress the same kind of you know social things going on so I think there is definitely a kind of uh, sense of um, community being part of a cohort whereas yeah as you said as a PhD student you pretty much on your own no one's got the same deadlines or kind of it's not uh, that we tasks. should it's not that we should be on our own by the way i mean like mm -hmm. even by doing things like this like the podcast the whole mm -hmm. point and i've said it loads of times when you two first came into the office it was it kind of went from being i'm doing i'm doing a phd on my own to uh all right there's actually people in a similar position and kind of a mini community there and doing things yeah. like this it, this it, this is a is a strategy for well-being being able to just talk for an hour and a half an hour every week and air some grievances share some experiences and things like that and it's it's just being able to feel like somebody else understands what you're going through i suppose yeah i agree what about you tom how did your experience differ i was gonna say that i think um it can come down to like milestones as well like an undergrad and masters you've got so many different assessments and things going on do you know where you are with things do you know which modules need a little bit more work do you know what you're doing well in you get a PhD in this one big project, like maybe hitting um, ethics applications and things like that would be milestones, but they aren't necessarily grades, are they? Mm -hmm. So for me, like grades tell me where I'm going and what I can do so far, but I've lost down a PhD. It's all sort of 
too many report comments and that sort of stuff instead. I think that's what you highlight is in the last kind of well-being something quite similar to that Tom in the fact of you can kind of keep moving with the PhD (laughs) you can keep moving with the PhD but it never kind of feels as if you're getting anywhere because as you said you know you don't have them kind of grades and feedback to kind of keep progressing so I think it's definitely a completely different situation that's something Um, I've not realized actually is not just the milestones and having deadlines to hit but actually like Tom just said almost like the feeling like you're on track and you're, you're actually going somewhere in terms of and in my undergrad it was always a big thing for me of trying to maintain like a 70 percent or higher kind of average so first year I got 70 percent second year I got 70 percent third year I got 70 percent mm-hmm. I always every year felt like I was working towards that like final goal whereas with this it's it is pretty much you're just writing I I, I write things and I don't know who I'm writing for like, I, I don't feel like I'm writing for myself I feel like I'm just writing to write and then it sits there for a bit no one no one really reads it in depth or can really give you any kind of big feedback on it it's just there and that's I, I, it's a weird one to get your head around yeah that's another big difference as well like you were saying then about um, deadlines and things or having your milestones is undergrads is by um, grades or um, like presentation marks and things like that you can set the deadlines or goals rather for say you want to average a 70 percent over the course when you get the phd you lose that and it goes instead to you want to get a certain piece of work done by two weeks time or you want to start data collection by say december or something it's all time based instead of something that's quantifiable in a sense Yeah, I agree with all of them kind of things you've said, guys. It might be quite interesting if I kind of read what the findings of this paper were, because some of them are quite similar to things you've highlighted, but also really different. Um, And this is probably where it comes into play that a PhD is so kind of individual. So they found that the reasons why uh, PhD students tended to have more uh, negative well-being was that uh, because the specific nature of PhD studies is that they promote competition between participants, students are frequently evaluated, there are expectations of scientific and organisational activity, while at the same time status in the academic community is low. Additional stressors include a lack of permanent employment and the uncertain future of academic careers, a feeling of a lack of support from supervisors, as well as the burden of having to fulfil other social roles. So kind of there's quite a lot of things in there that we haven't covered, but I can see being, you know, massive impacts on well-being. It reminds me of imposter syndrome. We did an episode of it, obviously, on that previously as well. And the whole thing of, like you say, almost like academic status is low. And it you almost feel like you, you're, you're in the world of academia, but you almost shouldn't be. Or people mm-hmm. might think that you shouldn't be and things like that. It's, it's a really weird thing to almost put into words. But yeah. You, you feel like almost like your issues aren't the same as other people's issues or maybe aren't like as justifiable and things like that. It's really yeah. difficult to put into words. And that's it's why people struggle with their well-being, I'm sure, because they feel this way, but they just don't know how to actually go about addressing it or even saying it to someone. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, this research really highlights the differences between kind of countries doing a PhD in different countries. I think a few of them kind of points there wouldn't necessarily apply as much here in the UK. I mean, this research was done in um, in Sweden. So even though that's kind of somewhere that ranks quite high for well-being, actually their PhD students are in a similar kind of situation. 
If anyone wants to read the paper, by the way, um, I'm sorry, I will not attempt to pronounce the names of the authors because I will definitely uh, butcher that. But it's called Wellbeing Among PhD Candidates and it was published in 2020 in the Psychiatric Policy. Okay, so what we wanted to do was like a mini, almost like exercise, I suppose, for ourselves and for the listeners is we're going to rate our well-being at the moment out of 10, uh, just to give it a figure. And then we'll kind of say why we think we're at that rating at the moment uh, and our strategies or tips for improving it or maintaining it if our well-being is good. So, uh, okay. Hannah, what's your well-being out of 10? Okay. Um, I think this is kind of, as I said, I'm at a point where I've relaxed a bit and I haven't got much going on. But I would kind of rank myself probably at about an eight. Um and I think, you know, the key thing that I've been doing, well, in Wales now, we've had our second lockdown and it's just finished. So the first kind of lockdown was a new lease of life. You know, we didn't have to go to work, like we didn't have to travel. We didn't have to do all socialising. And in that kind of period, I started like thinking of new things, did some lots of yoga, tried to learn Spanish very unsuccessfully. Um, but this lockdown, I found it a lot harder to kind of motivate myself to do anything else apart from get up for work and get back into bed at night. So I think my kind of top tips and the ways recently I've been doing it is just doing something you enjoy in the day. It may, this probably sounds really obvious to people, but like trying a new hobby that's kind of something you can do COVID permitting, but also it's just really important to be doing something else. There's a whole sense of just literally getting out of bed for work and crawling back into bed. So I'm really trying to just mix up my day, walk my dogs, you know, bake something, just trying to do something different that doesn't necessarily require the mental um, capacity of learning a language. Um, I don't know if I've got my point across there, but essentially I found it more difficult this lockdown because, you know, we've already gone through that whole, oh, this is a new thing. We've got no commitments. This is fun to, oh my God, this is lasting a long time. So I think just keeping something in your day-to-day life that you enjoy and is different than work. Okay. Thank you, Hannah. Tom, how would you rate your well-being out of 10? I don't know. By the way, you two sort of describe well-being and say what it is. Oh, I think it's going to be low. Oh, I, that's, that's what I, I've been saying quite a lot during this, like with, during the in-between the bits of recordings for this podcast, that I don't really know what well-being is. I personally mm-hmm. see it as basically, am I happy? And do I actually feel well? Like, do I feel stressed <laughs> or do I feel relaxed? And if I sit down on an evening, do I feel like I've got loads running on my mind or can I kind of switch off? Like that kind of thing. But then that's that's just me because... I feel like some people, like you might, you don't switch off, but you don't feel like that's a bad thing. Like, No, so that's what I mean. Like, there's never a point where I feel I can switch off or even consider to be relaxed, really. Like, I'll work until I crash and I only sleep when I've like, fully hit, you know, a wall or something. Mm-hmm. But it's never something that I'm unhappy with. That's just, I work when I'm stressed. Yeah. That's just how I deal with it. Like, yeah, that's fine. It's hard to explain. Um, I think um, the Oxford Dictionary, sorry to interrupt here, kind of puts it quite well. I just did a quick Google. Um, and I guess it's kind of essentially what you just said. They define well-being to be the state of being comfortable, healthy or happy. However, it's important to realise that well-being is a much broader concept than moment to moment happiness. So kind of that, you know, prolonged uh, feeling of 
feeling safe, feeling okay, feeling not necessarily so excited and happy, but just kind of generally okay within yourself and happy-ish. Um, yeah, just thought I'd add that there. So go on, Tom, give yourself a rating out of 10 and then kind of say how you, how you, why you rate yourself that and how you will, what's your like tip for maintaining good well-being? I'd, I'd got to say like four or five, I think. It's, okay. That's I fine. wouldn't recommend it in mental sort of states to anyone. But yeah, if it's always, there's always a source of stress in my mind. There's always something to think about. And I'll never think about only one thing. It'll always be split between different things. That I just, that's like the drive that keeps it going then. Like I was saying um, before we recorded this, like I used to think I'd go on for a run was good. But then while I was on my run, I'd be thinking about my work. And then before I'd go off my run, I'd be thinking about where I'm going, um, what my sort of goals are. So even when I was working before the run, I was thinking about the run. I go on the run, I start thinking about work. I finish the run and yeah, it'll keep me motivated for a little bit, but then I'll just dive straight back down again, back into sort of stress. Did I waste time going for a run instead of doing work? All that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think you know we were just kind of discussing that it's so important to have these discussions because well-being is such an individual thing and means such a different thing to everyone mm. you know I think your view of well-being Tom is really different from mine and Sammy's but that's good because you know people are listening some people will associate more with kind of your perspective on it so I think it's really important and good that you share that kind of thing but what would your kind of not necessarily tip for well-being be but you know if you're feeling that things are getting a bit too much um and it's starting to deteriorate a bit what would you do see this is where i think like i could say some bad things by it now because the other times i'll just try and push on like if i'm struggling to work in research house i'll pack up my stuff come home and try and work here instead that's, i'll just bring that yeah, that's fine on. If yeah that's good resilience and being able to just crack on and carry on is fine if you, if you feel like you can which you obviously do then that's great <laughs> yeah you don't feel good at the end of it but i mean yeah, I, but surely, surely you do. Sort of... I know you say you work until you crash but surely that crash you then feel like you deserve it kind of if you've earned it almost mm-hmm. that kind of thing of you can then relax because you've worked so much no that that crash doesn't feel good like okay. the worst I've had it was my last year of undergrad. So I'd go into uni, I think I've said before, it'd be like eight or nine AM. The longest I stayed until was two AM. And I'd come back home, sleep and go back and do the exact same thing. It's crazy. Like, you you can't appreciate that crash. Just literally getting home, yeah. falling asleep and just getting straight back up again. It's not a good mm-hmm. feeling, but I don't, looking back now, it feels good they got that much work done because it's yeah, exactly. showing you my grades. But even directly after it, it wasn't good. Mm. See, that's where I think I differ. If I do push through it, which <laughs> often is a mental breakdown before I push through it, but when I do, I feel that kind of sense of, oh my God, I can tick some things off my list. That's brilliant. Like, oh, relax almost. But um, yeah, I guess that's where everyone's different and important to highlight okay sammy i mean tom have kind of covered what what we would say what what's your top tips um so first of all i would probably rate myself about an eight oh, out of ten similar yeah. to you um i don't think there's been many times in my life where i would have rated myself lower than about an eight or a seven out of ten in terms of wow. consistency just because if i feel like i'm stressed 
I change something very quickly. It's like mm-hmm. I remember being on a PGC and about two or three months in, feeling like I was sinking almost like I just can't do this. And then the next day spoke to my mentor and was just like, look, I'm, I just can't do it. And I, within a week, I was then on a master's. Like mm-hmm. I just, I switched it that quickly because I knew I had to. I think I'm, it's almost quite a lucky thing of being able to spot that thing kind of really quickly and really quickly know how to kind of fix it. But yeah, yeah I rate myself eight out of 10. I'm, I'm just, I don't really know how to put it apart from I'm just, I, I'm not a very stressed person. I don't let yeah. myself get stressed. I'm just chill. And, and again, it comes, sorry, it comes back to that individual aspect, right? You're a lot more kind of laid back. And that kind of shows in your well-being and your ability to kind of maintain. But also, as you said, kind of you recognize instantly when something isn't isn't working and is causing you more stress. And I think that's that's a skill and will probably help you out quite a bit in life. Yeah. In terms of a tip or a strategy for maintaining it, I don't I don't really know. I think it's probably part of it is what we spoke about in terms of not working on a weekend, trying to have that balance of relaxing kind of having that time for work that time for relaxation don't let the the lines between them blur too much because you find yourself Mm -hmm. like we've each of you have already said like you kind of find yourself working on a weekend or sitting down to watch tv and then suddenly thinking oh what like your mind drifts to work being able to just completely switch your mind off to work and not even think about it and also i don't really know how to put it apart from like finding like your thing if that makes sense not like a hobby like you were saying like learning a language or things like that like like mine is always something like football like watching football um recently but it'll be part of my procrastination week actually but recently me and amber have got quite into pokemon cards (laughs) um watching youtube videos on it collecting some of them like things like that i'll get into the details of it in procrastination week but just your thing that thing that it'll be personal to each person but that thing of where you really relax and you really enjoy mm-hmm. doing it almost get engrossed in it that you kind yeah. of can't yeah, think of anything yeah. else it's something that where you, you you almost it's almost like you're doing work because you're really getting into it but it's completely different to work and you're actually enjoying it like mm-hmm. tom said he doesn't work to he doesn't work to like be happy but you can do things in that level of detail to be happy and so another way of getting with the stress i guess would be um procrastinating so how, <laughs> how have your tools procrastination of the week's gone um got one it's been okay i've got one i've got two but i've picked one. Oh, who's gonna start is it the right one though i i think you should start hannah okay so my procrastination of the week stemmed from watching a series on netflix called the queen's gambit i don't know if either of you have seen it i've I've heard of it really good seven episodes kind of limited series but it's amazing just something really different um than kind of typical series and really refreshing but it was centered around a kind of a world-class chess player this girl who became kind of top of the top of the chess boards so inevitably i thought you know that could be me i you know <laughs> don't know until you try right <laughs> so yeah. i've been i you know i knew the rules before just about but just refresh that and i started playing chess um so that's probably been my procrastination as you said sammy that kind of engrossed uh pokemon did you say yeah yeah it's kind of that same thing if i just get into it and it a game can last for like an hour two hours so 
um yeah so I spent playing quite against a lot of time. people or is that against the computer or playing against my boyfriend mostly but also my mac has a built-in chess game which is just a little distraction on the bottom of my laptop so can you set that to like different difficulties and yeah i'm just about to ask have you taken off beginner yet yeah i was going to say what difficulty no not off beginner (laughs) i do you know what the horse is taking me a while to get my head around the horse it always trips me up the knight it looks like a horse is it called the knight Oh, there's a horse piece. There's a horse piece. I think it's called the knight, though. Yeah. Right. There we go. You're both. Yeah, horse. It's a horse. <laughs> well, it, it's a horse, isn't it? Okay, I'm not professional. The funky one. <laughs> That's quite literally me. The one with the cross on top. Okay, so I'm not an expert chess player, guys. I'm not claiming it, but I have been playing it a lot recently. What about someone else? Can anyone top me? <laughs> Oh, as you said, we've we've already touched on mine a little bit in the last last bit of the podcast, but mine's been Pokemon cards. So, I mean, well, kind of a it's kind of come from a big procrastination into this specific thing. But YouTube is like my main source of distraction. I I would dread to think how much YouTube I actually watch day to day. It, it must be a good couple of hours every day. I just watch nice. stuff on there all the time. And me and Amber during lockdown got into watching um, like Pokemon card pack openings on YouTube because they're just, they're really really relaxing though. Like (laughs) they literally just flick through the cards one by one. They open the pack. It's almost like ASMR. Like the sounds are just really relaxing and they're just literally talking into their mic and making a bit of conversation and things like that. And it's just nice and relaxing. So we've got into watching them and then uh, it's, we, we share the same birthday and it's our birthday on Monday, the 16th of November. And uh, mm. for that, I got her some Pokemon cards, and, uh, <laughs> gave them to her early because she finished her master's dissertation. She submitted that. So that was nice. Good. Well done. Um, and yeah, I gave them to her. And then that led to um, creating spreadsheets for no. each of the sets that we've now got cards for. Right. That's and too far. All the cards and then marking off which ones we've got, which ones we haven't and things like that. Yeah. That's a proper throwback, though. That reminds me of being a kid on the schoolyard and everyone swapping cards. <laughs> well, not to ruin it, but I've got her for her birthday. I've got her a like a from the very first set that ever came out, Pikachu, for her birthday. So Gosh. that's her favorite Pokemon. What's your favorite? What's your favorite Pokemon? You must have. You must have a favorite Pokemon. The only one I know is Pikachu. You only know Pikachu. Pikachu. You don't know and Eevee or... No, I know another one because my boyfriend's Ratata. cat used to be called it, like, Meow. Meowth. Meowth, yeah. Meowth. It was my boyfriend's cat. That's why I know that one. <laughs> Tom, Tom, you must have a favourite Pikachu. A favourite Pikachu? A favourite Pokemon. Pokemon, <laughs> not Pikachu. Um, I can't remember the names of most of them. I know you must know, like, some from the base set. I know a special card with something called... Zapdos, I think it is. Ooh. So that was my favourite growing up. That was the card everyone wanted off me as a kid. I managed to keep through all them years. Which I well done. My favorite. This is a right geeky conversation. Chess and Pokemon. Come that's on, what, Tom. That's what quite... I was thinking about, finding your thing. Like People would look at this and go, well, that's really nerdy. But I think everyone has their own little thing that they get really nerdy about. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Tom, let's hear it. See, mine's me to realise how childish I still am. <laughs> I'm talking about Pokemon cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's more childish than that, then well done. No, I mean, 
the new Xbox came out two days ago, and I was one of them little nerds that pre-ordered it. Oh, you got one. <laughs> yeah, I've managed to hold off the little profits I could have made on it. I've I seen some of them going for double the price I bought mine for. There's, so there's, there's a real lack of supply, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. I would sell it. Get it again in the future for cheaper. I, no, I is that not a good move? Like, I just got it now, so I'm going to keep it. But yeah, I've been on that <laughs> constantly now. I mean, you're like the fan you get on top on Xbox. Well, the way I described mine to my friends the other day was it's the same level of heat. You know, when you step off an airplane and you go on holiday, it's blasted without warming. It felt like that. That's how hard it's been working. Gosh, it's a new toy. I need to get a PS5. It is a new toy. Yeah, I need to get the PS5 at some point. We had the right theme of this week's Procrastination of the Week of gaming, games, nostalgia. Yeah. Nostalgia games, I like I it. I mean, I don't have much nostalgia of playing chess, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know how many <laughs> how many kids play chess really. But okay, interesting. Are we going to put a poll up on the Twitter? Sammy? Yeah, so we'll have a Twitter poll okay. on this, um, and we'll uh, we'll see who wins. We'll see who the 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 listeners oh. and everyone on Twitter decides which is the best. At get the P- I play chess and Pokemon. On my Xbox, so you know. Oh that, that no! I don't, I don't, no. I don't play Pokemon. I collect Pokemon. Oh, I mean that's, that's playing. That is playing. <laughs> I'm a collector, not a player. Oh god! But if you want to vote, it's at get the PHT. Yeah, and it'll be shared by academic uh, chatter, uh, which is uh, always handy to kind of get it out to people who haven't listened to the podcast before, people who don't listen to the podcast but just want to have an opinion on our procrastination. <laughs> So as per uh, the last episode of the podcast, this is kind of the point where uh, uh, listeners outside of Cardiff Met, if you want to, you can kind of switch off now. Um, we'll be going through some uh, some of the services that Research and Innovation Services at Cardiff Met are going to be offering over the next week. Um, first, of, first of all, they've started launching a doctoral well-being initiative at the university, which is really focusing on trying to promote uh, good well-being and uh, maintaining your well-being throughout your PhD and for postgraduate researchers. Links uh, so, in very nicely to what we've covered today. Yeah, exactly. So they did an introductory session that we all attended on the 29th of October. That was really good. It was really nice to actually kind of get a feel for where they're trying to go with it. And it's mm-hmm. nice that they're, they've made it really clear that they're trying to put the students kind of at the heart of it and that yeah. it's centered around what people actually need and want out of it rather than just being random sessions that might not actually help anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've got a uh, portal on the Cardiff Met Student Portal. There's a doctoral academy. And on there, there's going to be well-being and mental health resources and a dedicated section that people can go to if they need help with uh, with kind of having better well-being, I suppose. Uh, yeah. And there will also be, they'll be emailing out a survey on stress and coping mechanisms where they want to kind of find out uh, what we've done here today, really, how people cope and what stressors people kind of go through whilst they're doing their research. Uh, and they've also uh, told me that if people want to get in touch about well-being, anything to do with mental health, they should contact doctoralwellbeing at cardiffmet.ac.uk. Mm-hmm. You can email just, that email address and get in touch. Just to add there, if anyone is listening from outside Cardiff Met and has any kind of strategies that their university puts in place to help doctorals with their well-being or just, you know, anything they use personally, which you think might be useful, uh, either reach out to us on twitter at get the pht or yeah. on email which yeah, is you can email us at get the pht at hotmail.com 
that's it. <laughs> Maybe one day we're Hannah Loon's our email. Yeah, I forget it every time. <laughs> okay, just to mention a few sessions that the Research and Innovation Services are running over the coming month. So this is obviously for Cardiff Match students. On the 24th of November, there's a research skills session on quantitative data and study design, and that will be running two till three. Also, on the 25th of November, there is a session 10 till 11, looking at recognition as a teacher. Uh, so this is kind of, you know, in terms of fellowship and how to attain that. So if you're interested, go onto the doctoral portal and you can sign up for them. Okay, so that's the end of this week's episode on wellbeing, part two. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Take care. Wash your hands. Wash and your stay hands. Stay safe.